To England or to France You might like to gamble You might like to dance You might be the heavyweight Champion of the world You might be a socialite With a long string of pearls But we all gotta serve somebody you're not so lucky. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve 
somebody. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you, the band. Um, I know I've told Ellen this before, but uh, David Bowie once said to said about Bob Dylan that he had a voice of sand and glue. Ellen, you don't have a voice of sand and glue. Um, that was wonderful. Service. You got to serve somebody, regardless what stage of life we come from. We have to serve somebody. The good news, serving somebody is not necessarily opposed to true freedom. And if true freedom is to be in the service to love, and as we believe as Christians, God is love, then true freedom is in service to God. As we reflect on this, I'm going to ask Ruth to come on up, and we're going to read just three verses today. Um, Doesn't mean my message will be short. (laughs) But three verses. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit which is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Thank you, Ruth. Good job at navigating the maze. Walk or live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will notice a difference there. Um, The Bibles we have here is the NIV UK. Um, This looks like it's the NIV USA. It, It wasn't my doing. And in this case, I'm not saying in every case, in this case, I think the U.S. got it right. Peripateo, the Greek word, literally means to walk. And I think that's actually going to be important. So I'm going to use the word walk um, in this this text. So reflecting upon um, this passage, so I say, walk by the Spirit. Why do I like walk better than live in the sense? I think walk has this sort of active connotation, this sort of participation, this 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 action involved in it. And I think that's going to be important as we go. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, flesh is used in different ways at different points in the Bible. Um, We see um, um, in reference to Jesus when it says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In that case, this is referring to, it's referring to natural things like a desire not to die, a desire to eat, a desire to drink. In this case, Paul is very specifically referencing things that are opposed to God. So selfish desires, desires that are contrary to that of the Spirit, to that of God. Because he sets up this either-or. You are either walking in the Spirit, or you are gratifying the desires of the flesh. There is no middle ground just as Bob Dylan said, he goes, you have to choose. you you got to serve somebody. In this context, Paul is saying, you got to choose. you got to walk by the Spirit, or you're going to gratify the desires of the flesh, those things that are contrary to God's 
desires. Now, in the following two weeks, um, the verses beneath these talk about the what of what it means to walk by the Spirit. Next week, it'll focus on what are the things of the flesh? What are these sinful things? And then in two weeks, we'll be looking at the fruit of the Spirit. What's the fruit of walking by the Spirit? Now, since the next two weeks are focusing on the what, I figured today I'll focus on the how. How can we walk by the Spirit? Now, I I put a lot of thought into this, and uh, it's kind of uh, pulling in a bit of what we may call systematic theology, which is kind of a fancy word to say kind of orderly way of thinking about things about God and things God has shown us throughout all of Scripture. Because if you just take this verse in isolation, walk by the Spirit, it can be kind of puzzling. Well, what does it mean? Do I just kind of hope? Do I just start doing something and hope that I'm walking in the Spirit? So as I began to reflect on this, I decided to come up with a a sort of how-to guide. If I'm trying to walk someone through what it means to walk by the Spirit, I've got four S's, so anybody who loves alliteration in here, all S's, going back to my Baptist roots. So I want you guys to close your eyes for a second, okay? And I want you to imagine the Holy Spirit. Someone just shout out what they think of, first thing that comes to mind. What was that? Wind? Dove? What was that? A, do, you, do you say ocean? A potion? Okay. What was that? Fire. Okay. You guys have, have mentioned some of the, the two, so you can, you can open your eyes. Um, a dove is very common, right? We see a dove in the baptism of Jesus, a dove descending. Uh, and at Pentecost, we see... Um, tongues of fire, whatever that means. Tongues of fire coming down upon the early followers of Jesus, showing the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit after Jesus ascends. Now I want you to close your eyes again, and I want you to try, try to do something for me, something we probably don't do with the Spirit very much. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to try to imagine a face. Imagine a face of the Spirit. Certain kind of iconography and religious art, you can open your eyes again, um, has depicted um, the Trinity, the three persons of the Godhead. Um, clearly, we don't have descriptions in, in Scripture, so these aren't meant to be literal, but they're meant to be metaphorical. But I think it's important to imagine, when we, when we begin to think about what does it mean to walk by the Spirit, I think it's important to begin by imagining the face of the Spirit. Why? Because I think it's important to understand the Spirit as person. There's a French philosopher by the name of Emmanuel Levinas who speaks of the face of the beggar. And Emmanuel Levinas, he was fascinated with the idea of a face. And for him, a face, the encounter with someone's face was a very tangible encounter with the person themselves in their wholeness. He uses this example. He says, when you're walking down the street and you pass a beggar and you don't have anything to give them, your inclination is to avert your eyes. Why? Because when you look someone in the face, at that moment, a demand is placed upon you. You feel the pull. 
You feel your obligation to the other. Now, please don't, please forgive me for this one. This is going to sound really academic. Um, this, is, this is the way he describes this thing. He goes, Emmanuel Avanas, he goes, he goes, the face opens the primordial discourse whose first word is obligation, which no interiority permits avoiding. <laughs> Good question. Um, there's a reason existentialists, this, this, this uh, um, school of philosophy is accused of fluff. Um, <laughs> let me explain what he means. Seeing the face, like seeing the face of the beggar. Before you even begin to reason, you feel the pull of that demand. Because you encounter another person. And when you encounter another person, regardless of how much you want to turn away or ignore it, you have to make a choice. Who am I going to prioritize? Me or them? So what Levinas is trying to say in far too much of an academic way is when we encounter a person, you can't avoid the demand. Who am I going to prioritize? So if we want to walk by the Spirit, I think we need to first by, by, start by seeing the Spirit, namely seeing the face of the Spirit. To see the Spirit is to see the Spirit, is to see the Spirit as person who has a will, desires, and actions different than our own, different than your own. And what happens? There's a demand. What am I going to choose? Am I going to submit to the Spirit? Am I not? Going back to what I said earlier, you know, it's really easy to love if you can define love however you want. Well, if the Spirit is God and God is love and we are called to walk by the Spirit and we see the face of the Spirit, then we have to choose whether or not we will submit to the Spirit's idea of love or my own idea of love or perhaps other, some other preferred idea of love. Going back to Bob Dylan, you have to choose who you're going to serve. Regardless of how much you want to turn away, there is that demand placed upon you. You know what? I think we all feel this whether or not we see the face of the Spirit or not. We feel it in guilt. We feel it in that sort of that inner sense that something isn't right. Our own conscience tells us that our own view of love is not always right. So we must see the face of the Spirit, then we must submit to the Spirit, prioritize the Spirit's will and desires over my own or those of anyone else. Not only do we need to submit to the Spirit, we have to search or study the Spirit. So, so track with me. We see the face of the Spirit, and that places a demand upon us, right? I must choose who am I going to prioritize, myself or the things of the Spirit? If the Spirit is person, it has a will, desires, actions different than my own. So I need to begin a work of how do I untangle what are my own desires and what are the desires and the will of the Spirit? So we need to search or study the Spirit. To search the Spirit is to learn not only about the kinds of things the Spirit wants for your life, but also who the Spirit is. Namely, the perfectly good wise, loving, and all-powerful God. 
How do we learn who the Spirit is? Well, we can begin by by digging into Scripture, a revelation from God. As Christians, we believe that these words are inspired by God, and by studying them, we can learn about the things of God. We've also been focusing on prayer lately, haven't we? And I know uh, certain traditions get, feel a little bit weird when we talk about the Spirit too much. Anybody come from one of those traditions? <laughs> I do. But in deep prayer, we need to seek the will of the Spirit, even when it makes us uncomfortable. We begin by studying Scripture, because no matter what we feel, the will of the Spirit will never contradict God's Word, because the Spirit is God. So we begin to search or study the Spirit by learning about the Spirit and learning about the desires of the Spirit through the Word of God. But we don't stop there. We turn in prayer and we try to open ourselves and listen to that still small voice, to the leading of the Spirit in community with the church. So we start by seeing the face of the Spirit. And then we must choose whether or not we're going to submit to the Spirit. Then we begin the process of searching or studying the Spirit, primarily through searching the Scriptures about who the Spirit is and what the Spirit desires, and then seeking the Spirit in prayer as we meditate upon God's word. And it's at that point that I think you can truly begin to walk by the Spirit, which ultimately, I believe, is to serve the Spirit. But not just any kind of service. You see, Paul is very concerned that we don't return simply back to slavery, right? There's an interesting quote by uh, a man named G.K. Chesterton. He says, uh, Powerful men who have powerful passions use much of their strength in forging chains for themselves. I love that. I love that quote. How many of us do that? If we think freedom is just about power, we're likely going to forge our own chains. But if we submit it to the Spirit and seek and search out the Spirit so we can truly know what it means to be in the service of love and the service of God, then we can truly begin to serve the Spirit. To serve the Spirit is to enthusiastically participate in the kind of life that the Spirit desires for you and the kind of life that makes you most free. I'd like to use an analogy here. Um, uh, one of the guys I, I, I study in my, my academic research um, is a Danish philosopher by the name of Soren Kierkegaard. And um, don't worry, no quotes like Emmanuel Levinas, so you can Take a deep breath. So he makes a, a bit of a comparison, a book, Fear and Trembling, between an idea, what he calls a night of faith and a night of resignation. And he uses the story of Abraham and Isaac to make this point. Many of you may know the story of, of Abraham and Isaac. Um, Abraham hears from God, and God says, go sacrifice your only son, Isaac. Now, we know in the story that Abraham obeys, goes to the top of the mountain, and before he's able to kill Isaac, an angel stops him and says, now I know that you have faith. 
So it wasn't God's intention at any point for Abraham to actually kill Isaac. But there was this test of faith. And we could talk maybe in the Q&A about the complications of that and how weird that might sound to us or what that would mean for today. But for this point, I want us to focus on, on the idea Soren Kierkegaard draws out. He says, Abraham, if he had simply tried to sacrifice Isaac out of mere obedience, he would be a knight of resignation. Now, what's a knight of resignation? A knight of resignation is someone who is willing to give up what they love out of obedience. Willing to give up all those things they love. But he says, no, 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 that's not a knight of faith. Do you know what makes Abraham a knight of faith? Abraham was willing to obey God, but he expected to receive Isaac back again. We read that in Hebrews. So what is the knight of faith? And why is it that being in service to the Spirit is not slavery? Because when we are enthusiastically, we can, we can enthusiastically serve the Spirit because we serve a good God and we can expect the good back again. So as we submit to the Spirit, we become knights of resignation, willing to give up what we desire most, while at the same time expecting something so much better back. The perfect example of this is Jesus. Jesus in the garden, his, his flesh, in the sense of his, his, his earthly desires, his mortal desires, his human desires, were not to suffer on the cross. And yet he says, not my will, but your will be done. And in this, he knew he would come back to life. He knew he would be resurrected. In this life, he might have to go through that suffering. He had to go through that suffering out of obedience. But in faith, he, he knew he would have life again. So what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Well, we're going to talk about the what in the following two weeks. But if you want to begin to think about, okay, how do I do this? Well, we start by seeing the Spirit as person, which means you have to choose whether or not you're going to submit. Begin the process of studying and searching the Spirit through reading Scripture and prayer. And then take that step to serve the Spirit, not begrudgingly, but enthusiastically, joyfully even. Because, you know, even in this moment, if you think you're giving up something you love, you can have faith, you can trust that a good, because we serve a good God, you receive something so much better back in return. What will you do today? Some of you here might um, be not even at the point of a night of resignation. You might say, I I don't know about this spirit. I don't know about this God stuff. I'd love to continue this conversation. I'd love to have a conversation with you after the service and we can talk about these things. But as Bob Dylan said, you got to serve somebody. And so I want you to reflect upon that point. There's no neutral ground. Who are you going to serve? Perhaps you've chosen to submit to the Spirit. Perhaps you're a little bit confused, and perhaps, perhaps you need to focus more on, on searching the Scriptures and searching the Spirit to seek what the Spirit's will is. And I'm not saying like, oh, it means uh, 
put a red sock on instead of a blue sock today. And we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. But it's, it's to live the kind of life that God wants you to live, a life that's in the character of love, a life that's in the character of God. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a moment of reflection. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you um, that we can reflect on this passage today. Thank you. As you call us to walk by the Spirit, Lord, I thank you that we can know that it's a call to freedom, Lord. You say, if we live by the Spirit, Lord, we're no longer under the law. We are no longer under slavery, Lord, because we can find true freedom when we're in the service to love, Lord, when we're in the service to you. Lord, I pray for each and every one here, Lord. I pray, um, as I reflect upon these words, um, I pray that you do a work in their lives, Lord. I praise your name. Amen. If you could take a minute and just kind of close your eyes. I know this is kind of weird. We normally don't do this here. But if you could just close your eyes for a second. Um, we're going to have a moment of reflection. And we'll have about 30, 30 seconds or so. Um, reflect upon that. Um, Reflect upon the words of Bob Dylan. Reflect upon the words of Paul. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Which will you choose? As the band's playing, if you would like prayer, um, I know during the uh, time of COVID, I'm not going to have people walk up to you, but if you would, if you would like prayer from a distance, just, just shoot your hand up. I would love um, to pray for you. Um, And so uh, I'm going to turn over the band, just take a minute um, to reflect.